Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Everything school HQ. We have actual college football games to talk about this week not just the week zero where there was a little bit of a taste a little bit of an appetizer a blooming onion of a slate with notre dame and navy over there we all know you got a taste in week zero what do you mean oh your boy your man crush he was in action of course we've been over this it's not me (laughs) it's my wife it's your wife both big fans of sam hartman handsome man sam handsome sam if you will no it's all you man it's not don't put tori on this actually going going way out going way off topic here out of pocket maybe even um me and tori were talking about uh hall passes the other day right oh no it turns out her number she had she didn't really have one she kind of had to think about it and she, she was telling me like she was talking about all her like, people at work it like became a it became a thing mm-hmm. she's distracting co-workers Apparently, her number one hall pass is Jalen Hurts. What is out of nowhere? So I was hmm. like, man, I don't know how to feel about that. I'm like rooting for the Eagles with all these Georgia players. Now I feel like she's rooting for the Eagles for a different reason, you know? So, you know, who, 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 we'll see if our relationship can survive this. But, uh, yeah. He's a good looking guy. There's nothing wrong with Jalen Hurts. No, uh, that's a good he is pick. a good, and the eyebrow guy. You know who the eyebrow guy is, right? Mm hmm. He was the little kid in We're the Millers, but he's Never grown up and now he's good looking. Dude, mm. um, he was in um, Dope Sick also. He's been in a lot Love of Love Dope Sick. Now I'm trying to remember. If you literally Google like the guy with the eyebrows, he's like the guy that comes up. But um, Will Poulter? Yeah, I think that's it. What's, but, up with uh, his, what's wrong with his eyebrows? It's like, he's just, it's like his thing. It's his look. Like people just know him. His eyebrows are strong. They are pretty defined. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's his thing. 
but yeah apparently he's on her he's on her hall pass list as well so the hall yeah, pass that, list that's... is growing matt green <laughs> it's because i a... gave her two and so she felt like she had to do two okay you gave her two what were your two my two were uh eva mendez and mila kunis those are mm. my uh those are my two i have a type as you can see i don't have one because i'm a good husband uh <laughs> We got way off topic there. We're two days we're two days away from college football season, sir. We need to mm-hmm. uh, we need to get this thing on the rails. If you're listening to this today, of course, there will be college football, and I'm jacked for Florida, Utah. We're gonna get into that game uh, for sure. But two days until the first Saturday that of week one, you know I who have to give number two, two two, right? I know there's um two two. I know mm-hmm. there's some. Um, Ill, Ill will in this for this guy up in Knoxville, Tennessee, but um, Brandon 1997 Boykin? Heisman Trophy winner, uh, mm. Charles Woodson. I mean, he's the best number oh, two. Oh, okay. Time. You weren't going Georgia. I was like, who's the number two that you're oh, talking about? Oh, no. Georgia? I mean, best number two Georgia's had, it could be on the roster right now, to be honest. Smile Mondin, I feel like mm. he, this guy, uh, he could be a player. He, he is a player, and we'll see what he's going to do this year in his junior year. But uh, yeah, that's a good call. Brandon Boykin's probably one of the best. Um, Tim Wansley was always my favorite uh, growing up. I'm a big corner guy. We've talked about that multiple times because mm. Champ Bailey was basically our Charles Woodson. Like Charles Woodson mm. was my guy, like like my favorite player. I had the ride the Raiders 24 and everything, um, but Champ Bailey was Georgia's Woodson, so he was he was just as tight and he or tighter because obviously he was a Georgia player. But um, yeah, I mean you got Kendall Millen and Smile Munden on this team. Who am I forgetting? Um, Richard LeCount, you gotta mm. gotta shout out Richard LeCount, the first commit of the Kirby era. Like, I mean, that's a that's a an accomplishment to have. He he jumped on board uh, with the Kirby era before anyone else did. Montario Hardesty was like one of the more underrated backs in mm. Tennessee history. He was really love fun. Montario Hardesty. Probably my favorite number two. You got to throw Montario on there. Um, but yeah, not not a bunch of number twos uh, by and large. A bunch of number ones bunch of number threes you don't get as many number twos worst number one at, at tennessee is jason witten why is he the worst number because one? he was number one come on man you're a tight end you can't be rocking number one him with the big rubber pads rocking number one it was just too much no jason witten was an all-time great for sure but uh just i just never liked don't... him in number one he didn't fit i also don't think he wore or, or, he didn't come in as a tight end I think he, that was a change. So maybe that's part of it. Is, he is that not, right? I didn't know yeah. that. He was not originally going to be a tight end, if I recall correctly. Definitely number two is definitely not Jared Garantano. I don't think he's going to get that one. I don't think Demario Minter, he was another one of my guys back in the day. Back in 05, mm. Georgia had three of the four dudes uh, on the first team all SEC secondary. Mm. Uh, Jennings, Minter, and uh, Greg Blue, all were first team that year. But yeah, yeah. I was... I always uh corners those are always my thing like i've said before yeah along with uh eva mendez and who was it miley kunis and mila kunis because we were watching mm-hmm. forgetting sarah marshall this weekend mm-hmm. and so that's what that's what brought up uh the, the whole hall pass discussion because uh mm-hmm. got, got a lot of content out of that discussion apparently tori did at work as well as us on the podcast right now so here we go hey always looking out for content Someone's got to do it on this very show, Matt Green. And speaking of this very show, this is the full ride here on the Chase Thomas podcast. We tape this every Wednesday night during 
the college football season. Um, this is our first Wednesday night show uh, going live on Thursday mornings for your morning commute. Um, we will have our recap show for week one on Sunday night uh, to talk about what happened here. And it'll be a fun one, Labor Day weekend coming up and also a Sunday night game. Uh, so we'll probably tape it after Florida State LSU just so we can see how that one ends before uh, we dive into what happens here on Monday night with the, the granddaddy of them all between the Duke Blue Devils and the Clemson Tigers here. But um, don't forget, folks, you can watch us if you're watching us right now on YouTube. Uh, thank you. Uh, you can go ahead and hit that subscribe button uh, right below on youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. Uh, well over 1.3 thousand subs, all kinds of views and likes and all that good stuff. Shorts popping out more and more. So uh, thank you guys for the support there. And if you're not already, make sure you check out the Chase Thomas Podcast website. All the episodes, all the information about this very show, chasethomaspodcast.com. Follow us on all the socials. Email us at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com to get in touch with the show and uh, tweet at us at Matt underscore W underscore Green or myself at Chase double underscore Thomas or, you know it, the Facebook or Twitter page rather, uh, Pod Chase Thomas as well. Matt Green. You had something you wanted to say before we get into our week one pick'em, the beginning of a new season where I try and retain my college football pick'em and my college football level of expertise. What did, what did you what's been what's been gnawing at you lately? What's been grinding your ears? What has you just kerfuffled at the moment? I would I would say this has been slightly grinding my gears. Um are I, I just I'm trying to I, I so obviously this week you've seen everyone coming out with their college football preview of just like their season predictions and everything like that and, and we talked about when the rank when the rankings came out of this whole like offseason Georgia being doubted or whatever the rankings came out and Georgia was just almost unanimously the number one team in the country like if you include the both both rankings it was like 120 of like 130 possible first place votes uh Georgia was number one but then you've seen actual people's predictions come out and I'm not seeing anyone really pick Georgia win at all. I'm seeing so much Alabama and it's kind of like from people I respect too. Like you saw, if you watch college game day last week, week zero, like Kirk Herbstreit even commented on it. Like, Oh no. Like he makes a comment every game day when they all agree and you got, you know, it's like, uh Oh, this is when they get screenshot for social media. Hmm. All P all three of the dudes on there picked Alabama uh, to win the SEC. Uh, both McAfee and Herb Street had Alabama in the national championship, and Herb Street had Alabama win the whole thing. You've seen Josh Pate with Herb with Alabama winning it all this year, and we're both on here like Alabama takes a step back. You're over here like Alabama dynasty is over and Saban's retiring, like. I listened to the to the excellent show you did with Chris Marler, obviously a big Bama guy. And for as big of an Alabama fan as he is, like I didn't really hear any tangible reasons he really had like to kind of rebut any of the things you were you were saying. So it was it's interesting to me how many people are picking Alabama and I'm just so like are we Alabama haters? Like what do we know that the rest of the people don't know? I think Part of it is when you look at just the part of the countries that win the national title, right? It's Alabama. It's Texas. It's Louisiana. It's South Carolina. It's Florida. 
and that's in Georgia. And that is the end of your list. Outside of the great state of Ohio, Matt Green. Over the last 20 years, that's just the best bet of where the national champion is going to come from. Alabama, I think part of it is they have the most talented roster in college football this year. Now, granted, we're, we need to emphasize talent, not necessarily what they're going to do with that talent, especially on offense, but the blue chippers are there. It's a preposterous blue chip ratio, and the 247 Sports team overall composite rankings came out this week for uh, each team. Georgia, I think, coming in there at three, and you're not going to believe this, folks, but Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama were in the top three with their overall team blue chip depth uh, once again because they've been the top three for the last, I think, five years or something. So pretty steady Eddie uh, at the top there, but I think that's part of it. I think if you are uncertain about Ohio State being able to get through Michigan, if you are not a believer in Michigan being able to win two playoff games based on what we've seen thus far, if you're not a believer that Clemson is going to get there, if you are not a believer in Georgia bucking history because this is unprecedented, and if you if another person throws out Minnesota in 1936, I'm going to lose it. Because, we all remember that. Yeah, not even just that how they decided national titles back then. <laughs> I encourage folks to go read that of uh, people who did not watch the games because they weren't televised and then the votes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, pretty wild stuff, how they were that's declaring. Like, not to interrupt you, but that's like I read something that was talking about how unprecedented going for this three-peat Georgia is. Uh, I think ESP, someone on ESPN wrote it. And it was going through the teams that won back to back and what they did in mm. year three. And it was like multiple teams on here. It was like Notre Dame or like Army in like 45, 46. Yeah. It was like the next year they went nine and oh, but they yeah. just didn't win the national championship because we just had some garbage system. Like I remember watching one of those Saturday in the South documentaries the SEC Network does that are so good. Mm. And I, they said that Georgia. In like 42, they won it all. And it was like 45 or something. They were really good. And it was like, and then they went 9-0 and again in 46. But the national media was just kind of tired of them. And they didn't vote them number one. It was like, what are we doing here? Yeah. And it's just not real. You can't look at any of that. This is unprecedented. This will be a first. This has never happened. And Bama's done it twice, right? Like Bama has had those blips. And when you look at when teams have been tripped up, like USC in the early 2000s, they got Vince Young there. Um, at the end of their three-peat. And then you look at uh, what happened at Bama um, at their points in times where they've come very close, but they haven't been able to do it. It's just unprecedented is the point. So if you want to go against Georgia, I get it because of that very thing. So I think when you break it down that way, I think I wonder if people are just hedging. A, it's Nick Saban, and he's been there. He, It's always a good bet to bet on Nick Saban to win a national title when people are doubting him. He did it with the best team he's ever had to this point was the 2020 Alabama team with Mac Jones under center. And I think that's what you can point to where it's like, who really thought Alabama that year was going it's to have debatable the when his best team was too. Well, I'm just sure. saying best offense. Let's just say that the yeah. best offense we've ever seen, the most dominant offense we've seen. I mean, they really weren't challenged that entire campaign. Like what we saw in 2020 was just pretty preposterous, especially because they only played an sec schedule. Is that their 2009 was an undefeated season, right? Th those are only undefeated seasons, 2009 and 2022. Potentially. Like, yeah, LSU beat him in 11 and, and Johnny Manziel beat him in 2012. I think those are their only two. Because the year Ole Miss beat him, because I think that's honestly what a lot of this is, mm. is 
it's all about Nick Saban. Yeah. And it's just, it's all about history, in my opinion, that it's, you're not actually looking at this current construction of Alabama. You're like, Saban's never gone three years without winning a national championship. Mm -hmm. So this is the third year. So he's going to win a national championship. <laughs> but you're not actually looking at like, this is the worst receiving core they've had since like 2011 or yeah. so. Like, it's like, it's the worst quarterback position play they could potentially have ever under Nick Saban like Blake Sims has talked about like it was a bad year at quarterback it's like he led the SEC in touchdowns that year like Blake Sims was not the best Alabama quarterback but he was good Jacob Coker that's probably near the bottom but Jacob Coker was also solid so mm -hmm. maybe maybe Jalen Milrow is solid but it does it feels like it's not anything real tangible like that it's just oh well Back in 20, 20, what, 15, that's when they smashed Georgia, right? That's after they lost to Ole Miss. That's when people were like really declaring the dynasty is over. And it feels mm -hmm. like, oh, well, we thought it was over back in 2015. And they won the national championship that year. So like, we're not going to question Nick Saban ever again. It's like, mm -hmm. that's not how it works. It's like things have changed. Another dominant powerhouses emerged in the conference it's like things the power structure has shifted so mm -hmm. it's it just feels like it's all kind of i just assume nick saban is not gonna not win a championship for the third straight year and also i know people are gonna just think georgia fans are sensitive to everything uh these days when it comes to alabama but you think about how we talked about georgia like what three years ago like mm -hmm. say 2019 it was like this team, if they're just going to play this style, they're not, never going to win a national championship. And that mm -hmm. was with a team that had DeAndre Swift at running back and the number one scoring defense in college football. And But now Nick Saban says we're going to go back to joyless, or he didn't say it, but whatever, joyless murder ball, Dallas Turner, I think, said that. Mm -hmm. And they're just going to pound the rock and dominate teams defensively, and that's how Bama's going to win a championship. And they're like, yep, they're going to be a throwback. That's what Saban wants to do. And it's like we just we just declared that a not a winning style of of college football like three yeah. years ago. So it's and not to mention if they could be playing elite defense since Jeremy Pruitt left, they would be doing it. And they haven't had a top ten scoring defense since 2017. If you're gonna play this ground and pound, hold teams win games 13 to 10 or whatever, you have to hold teams to 10 points, and they mm -hmm. haven't been doing that in recent years. So. It's just a really interesting thing to me that I feel like me and you seem to be on the same page, but so many people in national media seem to think this is the year for Alabama. And I'm not really sure how they get better after losing uh, Bryce Young, Will Anderson, and even Brian Branch is a guy who's being talked about as like a potential rookie of the year candidate. And none of those guys are on the roster this year. We agree, but... That's why I'm so glad that football is actually here because we can actually watch this all play out on the field because I am very excited to see a bad Alabama offense. Um, and I might eat my words, but I'm excited. I, I don't think it'll be bad. I think it'll just, it'll be, I, I, I wish it would have the same microscope as like a 2021 Georgia did. I, I just don't think it will. But it was like Stetson was winning games, but it was like, okay, this is fine. Will this beat Bama? You know, it was like, okay, well, we'll, well see. It feels when we play like Bama. the James Coley year, right? Where you're like, Georgia fans, the James Coley year were like, no, I mean, this is fine. Like, he's he's in there. He's just going to replace Jim Chaney. He'll be fine. Like, he's going to slide right in. It'll be okay. We're just going to, we have enough talent. Kirby knows what he's doing. We're going to be defense first, and it's going to be fun. And Georgia fans were apoplectic 
all year long. That was a horrible year. Uh, you yeah. remember it well, right? Like you hated that year and you hated th- this offense. Yeah, and there's a reason Cheney only lasted one year, or mm. not Cheney, uh, Coley, Coley only yeah. lasted one year. So, um, and and that that running game really wasn't even that dominant that year too. So, I mean, if you have maybe a a, a, a dominant running game, that style could have been better. But yeah, you, you you know that you have to have everything. You you can't you can't be one dimensional. You can't be just a defensive team, just an offensive team, and offensively you can't be just a running team or just a passing team. So mm-hmm. you have to be everything. And maybe we're overreacting to one and a half games of Jalen Milrow playing quarterback, but you know I just I don't see him being that guy that's going to make Alabama's subpar wide receiver group look like superstars. And I, I, that's what Bryce Young or Atua, and not that Tua had to make those guys look good because those were a bunch of first-round picks, but that's what Alabama's just typically had. And now that they don't have that, like, and the Holt's most talented too, it's like I'm not even convinced that they're the most talented team in the country. Like, I don't know how to exactly weight the the composite talent rankings. You know, we know Alabama has a bunch of really good players, but in terms of splitting the hairs of Ohio State and Georgia and LSU and some of these great teams, I don't know that they have the best players because I don't know that they have the best running backs. I don't know they have the best receivers. I don't. They definitely don't seem to have the best quarterback in the conference. They could have a good O-line and a solid defense, but I mean, they could have a very good defense, but they haven't had an elite defense in I would say about five years. So I, I just don't see them all of a sudden playing that style and winning a championship. I don't think Saban's go, like going to resign or anything like you over here, but I'm I didn't still, say resign. I, I said retire. My, There's a difference. Retire. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. It remains to be seen there, but it is, it is talking season and it's almost over. It is. I'm excited to see how it goes. And speaking of the end of talking season here, Matt Green, college football is here week one uh we're gonna go through the biggest games on our pick as we do each and every week and if there are some other ones we miss that are not on the pick we'll talk about them but they will not be a part of our uh pick where we break it up by both uh picks of w- who we're actually picking and then also whether or not that team is going to cover my friend so we're gonna start off uh as we always do you're leading the way Florida, Utah on Thursday night, Matt Green. Man, I've gone back and forth with this game a a bunch of times. So, yeah, like you said, this is 8 o'clock on Thursday night. Um, Our our spread came out, I want to say, earlier this week. So we got it at Mm. 4.5. So right now, we have Florida as a a 4.5 point dog. I think I was literally at the sports books uh, earlier today, and I think it was down at 3.5. with Cam Rising being out of this game, like I, I feel like Utah is just such an established team. It seems won the Pac-12 two years in a row, right? Mm. So they obviously won the Pac-12 last year and and still lost a close game down in the swamp in year one of Napier. So I'm just as much as I'm a year two head coach guy, I don't know that Florida's gonna be better year two, like of Napier, because obviously Richardson is gone. It's it still feels like there's there's a a lot of just transition in the program. Graham Mertz is his guy, right? We all have our skepticisms of that, but uh, that's what that's what uh, Billy Napier says. So the fact that Graham Mertz is a guy that's got a lot of experience going on the road in a hostile environment while he's a new quarterback at Florida, 
going at Utah isn't going to be something that Graham Mertz is, you know, shell shocked of. So I think that's that's a good sign for Florida. But I think ultimately it comes down to Cam Rising being out. And I feel like he's not just like a superstar or anything, but he's definitely Utah's guy. And for him to be out of this one, I was I was definitely leading Utah. But with with rising out, I, I think I do have to now go Florida to uh, to win this game. Oh, you're having them win outright. So I'm going to go, yeah, not only cover, I'm saying Florida goes on the road and actually wins this. What's your score here? I haven't thought of score yet, but I'm thinking like a, I don't know, like a 20, 27, 24 kind of thing. Like, I think this is going to be a, a really close game. I think it's going to be very close too. I think we're going to see multiple quarterbacks. I'm excited to see what Graham Martz looks like. Um, it stinks that Cam Rising will not be ready, but... When you read the reporting on it, I think Utah has been prepared for Cam Rising not to go for a while. Um, so it seems like they're not going to be caught off guard by this uh, a day before it is revealed that he is not going to be under center. So uh, former walk-on turned Scully player uh, from a couple years ago will be uh, under center for the Utes. I just, this defense is going to be good. Um, Utah was the uh, 11th rushing team in the country last year. And I think that's important because when you think Kyle Whittingham and Andy Ludwig, who was almost the OC over at uh, Notre Dame this cycle, one of the things he wants to do, run the football. And they have always succeeded in running the football under this administration here. And they're going to go right at Florida. And Florida uh, hires a young wonder kid in his 20s uh, to be uh, their new DC. Billy Napier putting a lot of trust in him. But I don't know. This new aggressive af- approach here right out of the gate I don't know if that really will pay dividends. You would think on the surface, like, okay, new quarterback under center for Utah. Um, He's never faced this kind of adversity. Florida won this game last year in the swamp, but under very uh, just silly circumstances that Utah kind of just did to themselves, self-inflicted wounds there as to why they lost a year ago because they were the better team. We saw it as the course the year went on. But this is going to be a big atmosphere for Graham Mertz right out of the gate. And I think Utah's front seven is going to be really strong here. And I think the Gators have a weak offensive line. We'll see how their tackles look. But I think there are real questions there. And I think Graham Mertz is going to get hit. And I think he's going to be under pressure. And I don't trust Graham Mertz on the road in this big atmosphere to start things off. I think Utah's going to be able to put this game away running the football. They're going to run it right at Florida. The teams that Florida will be able to get after and use this kind of new scheme against uh, some some big time competition, maybe a Kentucky, maybe a South Carolina. I don't think it's going to be a team that plays the way that Utah does. And maybe the stat of them all that I saw, Florida has never won back to back season openers against teams. Matt Green, it's never happened, and they're doing it to Utah again here. So I, I mean, am they going to say a non conference game out of state of Florida since like ninety one, I think, right? Yeah. And they just. They just went all the way. They're like, leave the state of Florida. We'll leave the eastern time zone. We'll go all, go all the mountains. We'll go to all the elevation. They just went all out. I'm going to go Utah wins and covers. So we disagree right out of the gate here, Matt Green. All right. I like it. Hey, and you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be sad if I was wrong. And uh, Florida dropped to 0-1. You know, couldn't... I'm not going to lose any sleep over that. But uh, where are we going next? We got on Thursday night... Nebraska Cornhuskers, the start of the uh, Matt Rule era, going to Minnesota to play the Golden Gophers. Minnesota's a seven and a half point favorite. Uh, what do you say about this one? 
So this is one I think where is a trendy pick where I think a lot of early um, love here this offseason cycle. People love Matt Roll. I would like to see Matt Roll beat a ranked team. I would like to see Nebraska be competent again before I buy back in on the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Former elite guy, um, Jeff Sims, tech player under center now. That'll be fun. Maybe. But Satterfield, who we saw as OC last year at South Carolina, really struggled. That South Carolina offense was not good, uh, by and large, uh, during the tenure of Marcus Satterfield in um, Columbia. And I think that's a question mark. I think when you look at this matchup in particular, Matt Green, people forget Minnesota has a great staff. BJ Flack has a great staff, great OC, great DC, top 10 defense, back-to-back years for the Gophers. Everyone thinks Illinois and Iowa when you think stingy Big Ten defense. People forget about the Gophers. They went 9-4 and four a year ago. It's just a quiet, forgettable 9-4. and four. Tanner Morgan finally not under center for the Gophers this year. But I don't know. Like You go back all-time, 97-36-6 and six, uh, for the Gophers in season openers. They've won five of their last seven four and two for Fleck. I don't know. Like Jeff Sims is it, he's going to have to have a gigantic game on the road out of the gate here. And he was not accurate at tech 60% completion percentage a year ago. He throws a lot of picks. I just, I don't know. I, I don't think this is a good matchup and a great way for Nebraska to start things off here. So I'm going to say Minnesota wins and covers. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel more I like I I still don't know what Minnesota is. Um, I'm I'm not sure at all how to pronounce the starting quarterback's name, Cala Um We'll he hear got it a on a little bit of Tuesday time night. last we'll year. We'll hear it so, tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, Tanner Morgan is is finally gone. I feel like he was in college for seven years. Um, but yeah, the team, like you said, this team went nine and four last year and has had a really solid defense. And this is more about, I just, year one of Nebraska, like this, this is a dumpster fire. And mm-hmm. like, I think Minnesota should have a solid, like floor type of team in the, in the big 10 West and Nebraska, I just have no idea how bad they still are. So yeah, at home going to be a, a pretty rowdy environment in Minnesota. I think they win and cover. We agree, Matt Green. Where are we going next? All right. And a lot of eyeballs going to be on this one and this team all year long. Um, the Colorado Buffaloes, first game of the primetime era, going on the road to last year's national runner-up, the TCU Horned Frogs. TCU's a 20-and-a-half-point favorite in this one at home. What say you, sir? I hope that line is a wake up call for everyone looking at Colorado this year. Like this is one it's going to take time. Like this is going to be a work in progress. Yes, you flip the roster in an unprecedented way here um, for Dion, but TCU now found their way into the top 20 and overall rosters talent wise um, with this latest cycle. A lot of big transfers again. Um, Gillespie's got a good defense and it's a physical defense. Chandler Morris, who was going to be the starter last year, got banged up. That opened the door for Max Duggan to step right in. Uh, he's, uh, going to be back under center and I think that'll be fine. I don't think it'd be as good as Max Duggan, but you don't have to be as good as Max Duggan for this team to be really good again this year. Um, I'm very excited to see what Trey Sanders looks like in this, uh, in this role with this group. You got Amani uh, Bailey also there. So I think they're gonna be able to run the ball really well. 
You also get uh, to replace Garrett Riley. Garrett Riley will not be uh, the play caller here. It'll be Kendall Bryles, who had, has had success just about everywhere he's gone. So I don't think there will be a big drop off there. Um, Warren Thompson comes over. Um, we have Savion Williams, who I think should have a big year. Um, you look at JP Richardson, um, and then the Hodges are, are back. Hodge, uh, Jamani Hodge, and Johnny Hodge. Um, they. This is a stingy physical defense. I think they'll be good there again. That three three five. And I just, I think they're going to bully Colorado right out of the gate here. Colorado is not quite there talent-wise, and I just don't think this is where you want to start off prime with the team that just made the college football playoff. I mean, you have 10 returning players, scholarship players from a year ago for the Buffs, but I just, I don't think they're going to be quite meshed. We'll see what uh, some of these uh, big impact players like Shador Sanders at what he looks like against a physical aggressive defense to start out here um i don't know i just i i think the biggest thing if you're trying to sell me on colorado covering because i don't i would be absolutely floored if they won this game it's uh sean kelly and his scheme and is that tempo going to be something that they can use against tcu could they score early and often could they make this game interesting just because they're playing fast and trying to keep TCU on their heels here with a lot of new faces on that defense by and large, because they're only returning 11 starters as a whole this year for the frogs. So I think that might be the best case is that they play a little bit faster than TCU is anticipating and catch them off guard and score some points. But I think by and large, this is going to be a rough awakening, uh, welcoming rather for the buffs against the horn frogs. So I think the horn frogs win and cover out of the gate. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think TCU is definitely going to take a step back from what they were a year ago. Um, I like some of their portal uh, acquisitions, though, they made uh, this offseason, um, <clears throat> or portal additions, I should say. Mm. Uh, but yeah, like like you said, I think Colorado's just not there. And so th- we're going to see a lot of these big big spreads until, uh, until proven otherwise. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to go TCU uh, to win and cover that big spread. All right. Where are we going next, Matt Green? Uh, This next one is an interesting one. Well, the point spread is interesting. Ohio State going on the road to Bloomington, Indiana. Indiana Hoosiers are a 28.5 point dog at home in this one. 330 CBS, sir. It sounds sacrilegious, but I guess we should get used to that uh, in the Big Ten. So what do you say? Ohio State, they they were covering... uh, 28 and a half against Indiana? Yes, they are. I think people are way too obsessed with the Devin Brown or Kyle McCord conversation. Like, whoever it is, here's the track record here. They're going to be good. Like, I'm not really concerned here. Whoever it is, whichever one, maybe they both play in this one, they'll be good. I'm excited to see um, Fleming, uh, Igbuka, and Marvin Harrison here. I just, this is so devastating if you're Tom Allen to start this year i mean my guy taven jackson goes home transfers in former backup at tennessee this past year former four-star kid um he'll be under center it looks like for uh tom allen and his crew going into what should be unfortunately i just think a really really rough year for the hoosiers and probably the last for allen in bloomington but this is not how you want to start is a bloodbath uh at the hands of uh the conference's best to kick off and jumpstart your 2023 uh save your job campaign so i i unfortunately just don't see a way that this offense and this indiana team can keep pace with ohio state who's playing mad they are gonna they're they're wanting to get back to the college football playoff they don't lose regular season games really 
in Columbus outside of Michigan um, with a few instances there, here and there. But no, give me the Buckeyes to win and cover Matt Green. Not so fast, my friend. Oh, no. Zeus wanted me to uh, contact you, sir. This is uh, mm. this is the home dog of the week. And oh. they're not going to win the game. Don't get me wrong. I was going to say, they Indiana's haven't beaten a... Ohio State. And it's, like very hard to, yeah. it's very hard to find a home dog of the week in week one. I tried. There's not, there's not yeah. many of them that can actually win outright um, if they're home dogs. So we're going Indiana to cover this spread. Ohio home? State wins 42 to 14. They're going to absolutely smoke Indiana. That's 28 points, not 28 and a half. But I think you're going to see the first quarter, you know, maybe we see a quarter and a half that Ohio State, this offense isn't perfectly smooth, uh, breaking in the new quarterback. And you're going to see Ohio State win big, but no, give me Indiana to, they're going to be one of the worst teams in the Big Ten, but it's not, it doesn't mean anything to lose by 28 points. It doesn't mean you're any good. So give me, uh, give me the Ohio State to win and the Hoosiers to cover. Wow. Didn't see that coming, Matt Green. Bold take here. Only only lose by 28. Let's go, Indiana. Wow. Um, keeping it moving. Wow. 3.30 on ABC. We got the Boise State Broncos at the Washington Huskies. Washington's a 14.5-point a, a favorite in this one. And how do you see this one going? I went back and forth on this one myself. I'm not going back and forth on who wins, but I've gone back and forth on who covers here. So... I look at this one and I just see that if they're able to run the ball, if Washington's defense has not improved in that way going into this year, I think that's going to be a problem for them. Uh, George Halani is a great back uh, for Boise. I think he uh, is another thousand yard guy going into this year. When Boise is able to run the football, and when I mean run the football, uh, saw this that they were 100, when they get to 148 yards or more, they were 9 0 they go so that's something to monitor in this one is if boise is able to rack up the rush yards here against washington then it i feel pretty good about both covering and also maybe keeping this a little bit closer uh than washington fans would like but uh this offense still one of the college football's best and boise sneakily even with andy avalos coaching this defense not one of the premier defensive teams um in college football so I don't, I don't know how well they'll play if Washington jumps all over them early because I don't think they're a team that can play from behind uh, particularly well. So that kind of concerns me. I just there's something about uh, this matchup where you're like, okay, if this if X happens, then maybe they'll be all right. And I just think it's not enough for me to be like, all right, uh, I'm here. I'll I'll throw a Boise uh, a bone. So I think the bet one of the best passing offenses in the sport a year ago i think they're gonna do just fine at home as they kickstart their uh, college football playoff quest here so give me the washington huskies at home to win and cover matt green yeah you kind of made some of the points that i was thinking i just this isn't the boise the chris peterson boise state mm -hmm. that actually would get physical and play some defense they've been kind of slacking on the defensive side the last couple of years and i just don't think they have enough offense to keep up with washington so i am gonna have to go washington to win and cover the 14 and a half they need to bring back some big time quarterback play they went away hank bachmeyer now down there in louisiana tech um i don't know it's just uh it's not it's not the same when Boise doesn't have a Kellen Moore 
or a big a premier quarterback Jared Jared Zabransky yeah I don't like it Boise needs to get their next guy I don't know who it is but uh when I find that guy uh let me know because it college football is better when Boise has star quarterbacks I agree and uh keeping it moving you we are only uh even uh spread of of the of the slate we got UTSA at Houston uh, this, like I said, this is even points, uh, Houston at home. I um personally in this one, I'm going to have to go with the Roadrunners. I uh, I like what Frank Harris brings to the table. Uh, this guy's just a dynamic quarterback. And I don't think Houston has the same kind of firepower that, t- that UTSA has. So what did this team win? 11 games a year ago. I think they're just uh, – they're the better team. So this is going to be, uh, you know, Houston, they're going to feel like the big dog, you know, they're, they're a P5 school now playing against a G5, but uh, UTSA doesn't see them that way yet. You know, what's weird is UTSA lost this game a year ago at home. They did. It was one of their only law. Lo- it was like triple overtime, right? 37-35 Houston won a year ago. And I that's something to just put in your back pocket because it is a group of five versus a uh, quote-unquote power five now uh, with Houston making the jump up. Dana Holgerson, a lot uh, a lot of questions about his job security. We talked about it in our preview series that this was, uh, was going to be a big year. And uh, the Cougars have done a lot on defense to make things work. But I don't know about this, yeah, about just the UTSA defense. Like, what if they are not able to take advantage uh, enough here and stop Houston because Houston won in a really interesting way last year. And Donovan Smith now under center uh, with Clayton Thune off to the NFL, uh, Texas tech transfer. I mean, he's going to be solid. I think this is going to be one of those games that people just pencil in UTSA and Harris and company to just win. Um, But I don't know if that's the case. You put this back in Houston and UTSA didn't take care of business right away so fast my friend matt green i'm gonna say houston just wins this outright all over again matt green at home to kick things off give me the cougs to win on saturday all right put it on the board um and the best game from saturday in my opinion sir is is this one we got right here the battle of the carolinas here in uh in, in charlotte North Carolina and South Carolina. <clears throat> the Tar Heels are a two and a half point favorite in this one. How do you see this one going? This one I've probably gone back and forth on the most of all the pickup games. I um look, Phil Lambo not coaching, uh Phil Longo rather is not coaching the uh North Carolina Tar Heels offense anymore. It's Chip Lindsay, Drake May, arguably the uh, most talented quarterback prospect uh in this cycle outside of Caleb Williams out there in Southern California. Here's the thing. We saw Rattler down the stretch. Uh, he was a different quarterback against Clemson, Tennessee. That's all great. New OC, uh, Dal Logan's uh, coming in there. We'll see how he does. Can't do any worse than uh, what South Carolina's offense looked like for the majority of uh, Marcus Satterfield's tenure in Columbia. But Jaheim Bell out. He's over there at Florida State now. The best wide receiver, the transfer issue, not there for North Carolina. There's just so many unknowns here. So both teams have new offensive coordinators. 
both teams have high profile uh, former blue chip quarterbacks and Drake May and Spencer Rattler both trying to be first round quarterbacks whoa, in this upcoming whoa, whoa. draft. What? Both of these two teams do not have the same caliber quarterback. No, I'm saying Pratt, like the blue chip guys. Like Spencer Rattler was the top of his recruiting class. Yeah, like he, we, yeah, rankings go out the window after after a while. Like these two fine. quarterbacks are nowhere close to each other, in my opinion. I agree. No, I agree. But the best version of Spencer, and I remember reading like the anonymous quotes. Um, maybe it was Saturday Down South. I forgot who did it about every SEC quarterback. Um, and the thing they said about Rattler is like he's like the most hot and cold of all the quarterbacks in the conference where it's like the hot Spencer Rattler is borderline unstoppable. Like he's cooking and he's just, who was it? Uh, was it Bo Wallace that they called yeah, like maybe. good Bo or bad Bo or something like that? Which, which one do we get here? I don't think he'll change that. I don't think we're going to get steady Eddie at quarterback for Rattler for 12 games uh, this year. So do we see him right out of the gate? A UNC defense that has not been good for the majority of the Mac Brown tenure. I don't know because I mean, the defense gave up the most yards allowed per game in the ACC last year. Um, their secondary was not good. They gave up 271 yards passing uh, per game. But also, South Carolina turned the ball over a bunch. 27 total turnovers on offense. And I think if you do that against North Carolina here, you're going to get down in a hurry. And I just... My gut tells me North Carolina wins this and takes care of business. I think the South Carolina party ends right out of the gate here i think this will be close i think this will be a fun fun game that i'm excited to watch but i think north carolina does enough to win and cover that's my final answer i think i'm gonna have to agree with you on this one it's it's like because we're talking about rattler and we saw like because i mean there's a big discussion like what's the real rattler is it how we ended the season like how you end the season is the most important thing and what you're coming to the next year but the fact that you it's not the same oc it's not the same play caller that you saw when they broke out against tennessee and against clemson so mm. can we really build on that like ending to the to last season and then you lose marshawn lloyd to the portal you lose uh you lose jaheen bell to the portal you lose who's birch mm. uh Jordan Birch is that the 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 pass rusher? Yeah, like to Oregon. lost lost so many of the 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 better players on this team, and I know South Carolina fans are tired of hearing it, but it's just hard for me to be like super confident about this team heading into twenty twenty three. And and don't get me wrong, North Carolina they it's it's not the same as I'm, I'm con I don't I don't have the years exactly Sam Howell was 2020 and 2021 is that mm -hmm. right so it's kind of similar with how they lost Michael Carter and uh Javante Williams like the, the outstanding running backs the year that Sam Howell was so good and then he came back and his junior year I want to say because he left early right his mm -hmm. junior year was not as good as his sophomore year and with Drake May, you, you see Josh Downs gone. You see the other Green, the other uh, wide receiver gone. Like, there's a chance they don't, they can't replace. It. They keep, this guy was the leading rusher on the team last year, uh, Drake May. Like, he was had to be so much of the offense. And now you lose the top playmakers out wide. Like, it's got some similarities. And Sam Howell was like the clear best quarterback in the country coming coming back that year. And he did not have the same year to to follow it up. I think Drake, Drake May is a better player, but I do worry about North Carolina from that perspective. And obviously we know about this defense just has to improve. So 
I'm I'm not sold on either of these teams, but in the year of the Tar Heel, that is 2023. I, I got a uh, I got North Carolina going one and zero. Wow, we agree, Mac. You know I'm high on the Tar Heels this year, and they don't have to beat South Carolina to get to the ACC championship. But uh, but yeah, I'm gonna take them this year. They'll have to beat those Duke Blue this Devils week. on Tobacco Road. I don't this know about true. that. Um, keeping it moving, the uh. We got the West Virginia Mountaineers going on the road. They played Pittsburgh last year, playing Penn State this year. Uh, Mountaineers are a 20 and a half point dog on the road, sir. Any chance? What do you say? What do you say? Penn State going to pe- smash them? Well, why do people like this? I've seen a lot of West Virginia love for not to win this game outright, but to cover. This has been like a sneaky cover favorite I've seen. Uh, from a lot of smart college football fans is like really? they really like West Virginia to start out of the gate here covering against Penn State and I don't really know why if you had to pinpoint like it, to you Matt Green what makes you think that West Virginia can cover here because for me on the outside looking in I mean I guess you're like new quarterback new running back some change there all the hype in the world about Penn State West Virginia playing above and beyond of what their expectations are maybe Penn State overlooking West Virginia out of the gate. I don't know. This is a home game. I just, I don't understand why people are uh, talking themselves into a West Virginia covering situation here. No, I'm definitely not the one to ask uh, because I don't get it at all. I, um, if it was at West Virginia, then yeah, you know, they can beat anybody at West Virginia. There's something about that atmosphere, but at Penn State, like 20 and a half isn't even that big of a spread. I don't really think like Penn State, you know, they haven't had like the the greatest offenses in recent years, I think. And they haven't even announced Drew Aller, I don't think, as the starter yet. But no, he is. He seems, I think he, got... he seems like he's the obvious starter. I don't think they've actually officially announced it, though. Right. Mm, maybe but not. I mean, I regardless, I think it feels yeah. like everyone knows he's the guy. Um, but I, I mm. just have confidence that Penn State, not only do they have a good enough offense to to score enough on West Virginia, but I I think this defense should be, you know, one of the better defenses in the country this year. So I think, uh, I think Penn state makes easy work of West Virginia. Personally, I'm not sure why West Virginia doesn't seem like a sneaky anything right now. I guess they just seem like kind of a, a dead man walking and I'm not really sure why they didn't pull the trigger last at the end of last season, to be honest. Yeah, it was like they didn't really hit the eject button. They were the 116th best defense in college football last year. Mm. Like, they don't even have the Tony Gibson ground and, like, just that salty defense that uh, I believe he's now the DC at NC State. But um, they're just they're just bad everywhere. Neil Brown, calm plays. I just, there's nothing about this game that makes me think it's going to be close. Like, I think Penn State and Drew Aller roll out of the gate and this is like 42 17 and everyone's like oh this is gonna be rough for west virginia right out of the gate so no this screams to me a nittany lion blowout right out of the gate i hear you there so um let's go to your guys in nashville tennessee Mm. the the tennessee volunteers and the Virginia Cavaliers. What is this one? A twenty-eight point spread. Uh, what do you th- What do you think? Tennessee? Are they going to cover twenty-eight? I do think they're going to cover twenty-eight. Matt Green. I think this is going to be. Nika will be getting a lot of snaps in the second half of this football game, my friend. Um, 
this is going to be... It's just the number one pass rusher for Virginia from a season ago is out for this game, which is never what you want to have coming in. Uh, a, a transfer from Monmouth will be starting here who wasn't really good at Monmouth last year at quarterback for the Cavaliers. I think the Cavs are going to be the worst team in the ACC this year. And I think this is going to be a particularly brutal opening uh, for Tony Elliott and the talking before about like he may or may not have been offered the UT job a week ago and then sparring with RAD about that. Um, I think there is a lot of, um, uh, a lot of um, just anticipation about this particular matchup where I, I just, I think this is going to be a blowout uh, and it's going to be a blowout fast where um, it's a great story for UVA to be able to come back. And I think it's going to be um, a really cool moment to start things off. And um, all those kids who suffered just a horrible heartbreak uh, a season ago, losing teammates and what happened um, that shut down their season. They didn't even play Virginia tech. So it's been a long time since they played football, but this is just a really bad team. And I think this is a team that will not deal with tempo well. I think this is a team that with Joe Milton and company, Dante Thornton and Squirrel White alternating in the slot, like uh, Ollie Lane will be at center with Cooper Mays out for the uh, for a little bit to start out. So maybe that's something to monitor, just uh, the center to quarterback duo, uh, what that looks like. Maybe some bad snaps makes things weird uh, in this one early. But I think Tennessee's firepower um, and their just overall – rotation of just dynamic playmakers all across the board. It's just going to overwhelm Virginia early and often. So I'll say Tennessee. The thing that I'm most interested in is how the new clock rules affect Tennessee scoring, because I wonder if it chops a couple possessions. Does that mean Tennessee wins 56 to 10 or they should be one of the few teams not affected by the clock rules, to be honest. I mean, it's still going to cost a possession or two. What I'm saying is still going to be, I think teams are going to lose about a possession or two based on what we saw last last week. So um, the, I'm just talking about in terms of scoring, maybe it's what would have been last year, 63 to seven. I think it might be 49 or 52 to 10. Oh so. man, I thought I was going to steal your line there because you hadn't said it yet. I was about to drop a Chase Thomas. Tennessee's dropping 60. Mm. They're, they're dropping 60 on the, on the Cavaliers. No, I don't know that they really are, but. Like you said, are you forgetting that this is year two? We're going to see a year two bump of Tony Franklin, sir? Well, no, hold on. Let's get his name right if you're going to give him a bump. It's Tony Elliott, sir. Tony Elliott, Tony Franklin, my bad. Tony Elliott, it's been a long night. Hmm. Um, Virginia's sixth uh, sixth lowest uh, returning production in college football, 123rd in college football returning production. I don't know if that's hmm. a good thing or a bad thing because they weren't very good last year. Um, so it could be addition by subtraction, but no, I'm with you. I think Tennessee, there might be some teams that can slow down this Tennessee offense, but Virginia is not one of them. So yeah, I think Tennessee puts, puts up maybe 50 in this one. I think it's going to be scoring at will. Yes. I think Tennessee is going to score on more possessions, uh, than they do not. And I think you're going to get a lot of Nico and some freshmen getting some, getting some snaps here. So balls by 50. Where are we going next? Matt Green. Um, we're going to go, let's go first to Monday and then we'll kick it back to Sunday. Uh, on Monday night, we got Clemson at Duke. Uh, Duke is a 13 point dog at home and 
this is another home dog, you know, candidate here. And I was, I was trying to convince myself that, that the Duke Blue Devils could keep this one close because they were a pretty good team last year. They actually might have the advantage in the, at the quarterback position in this game over Clemson. But it's like, I'm thinking like, you know, season opener on a weeknight, like, you know how I feel about the, you know, the weekday road game, but it's Duke. Like, do they have a atmosphere? Do they have a college football, like a stadium that can get loud? Like, I don't know that they even do. Like if, if this is, if this is NC state coming off of a nine and four season, I'm like, okay, you know, this is a dangerous place to go in. Duke, it's just like, they're fine. But I, I kind of feel like the first game of the Garrett Riley era, like Tennessee or uh, Tennessee, Clemson's been missing a little bit of that offense in the last couple of years. It almost feels like it's a showcase. Like, mm. let's show like, okay, we, we can score some points. So I feel like Clemson is going to score some points in this game and, and maybe not blow out Duke, but I like them to cover the 13. This is interesting, Matt Green. We disagree. Ooh. I think Duke's covering. I don't think Duke's winning this game outright, but I can I say this? I wouldn't be surprised if Duke won this game. This what? is a terrible opening for Clemson. Tough draw at Duke. Riley Leonard might be the best quarterback in the conference outside of Drake May. Um, I think he is going to have another big year. The sneaky little thing, because we were all talking about Mike Elka, who was a fantastic coach and did fantastic stuff with that defense a year ago. They won nine games. Like, Duke is back. I don't know if people understand this. Duke is an ACC title contender. They're back, they're back, back to what? The Daniel Jones, the peak Duke, where they're playing Johnny Manziel and bowl games back, where they are, uh, they're a good football team again. They're going to be a good football team for a little bit. 31st in defense, about 32nd in offense a year ago. They're pretty even. Like, everyone was looking at Elko in the defense. The offense was good. The offense was good all season long. They're going to be better this year. I look at this matchup. Garrett Riley coming into the fold. Completely new scheme than what they did a year ago. Garrett Riley has success. I don't doubt that Clemson's going to figure it out as the season goes on. I think out of the gate with a new offense with this group and the questions I still have at receiver for Clemson. I still don't see a lot of playmakers out wide. I see Will Shipley. I see Cade Klubnick. They'll be okay there. But I think they're going to be limited on the outside. I think this is going to be one of those ground and pound, low scoring games that I don't think people are ready for because it's Garrett Riley and they just assume score, score, score. I think this is going to be pretty low scoring. And I think it's going to come down late in this game. And I think I'm going 27-20 or 27-23 Clemson, but I, I'm i pretty confident Duke covers, and I think Duke's going to have a really good showing and be right there. I mean, Clemson's offense last year was bad, 57, 52nd in expected yard uh, EPA on offense, and Duke was uh, 19th in that same stat a year ago. This is a good team. They, are, they move the ball. They put up points. They put up yards. The defense is good. The defense could be very good this year. Don't sleep on Duke. Duke is going to make this a football game, and I think Clemson's going to be in a dogfight to start this one. And it's not because Clemson's not going to be good and one of the best teams in college football this year. It's just Duke's a really good one, and it's a tough first draw. So give me the Duke Blue Devils to cover, but Clemson to win. Wow. I like it. Um, and our main event on Sunday night this week, mm. it's got college football just every day of the week. I wish it, I wish we'd do this more often. Um, 
It's funny though. I hate, I despise NFL Thursday night. I just don't like it. I like NFL on Sunday. Give me college football anytime. Um, we got LSU in Florida State. We don't have it in Tallahassee. I'm not going to go on that, but it's going to be in Orlando and it's going to be fun. 7.30 on Sunday night. FSU is a two and a half point dog in their home state. <clears throat> what say you about this game? This would be wild for LSU to lose this game twice. Like to lose this back to back, I think with the talent and what LSU generally speaking is and the way they lost last year, they had to do some dumb stuff to lose that game a year ago. And that's not enough shot at Florida State. I just, Jaden Daniels, I think is going to have a huge year for LSU. No Mason Smith. We'll see how that matters uh, in this one. LSU's deeper. And I think this is the big difference here is Florida State has the better starters, if that makes sense but they don't have the better depth. So if they get, if LSU gets banged up in this one, they have the bodies to withstand the body blows um, that Florida State throws at them. Like, I, I'm i excited to see what Harold Perkins does in this game against Jordan Travis and company if they get home. This is gonna, my, my matchup to watch here is Matt House, who's been a great DC thus far um, under Brian Kelly at uh lsu versus alex atkins who uh got promoted um to oc and was an offensive line guy there too and does that i'm excited to see what that looks like what happens if jordan travis is under duress what happens if trey benson can't run the football i love the florida state receivers can they get separation and get open uh in this bat matchup i think this is going to be another classic but as last year was more just (laughs) crazy shenanigans and just kind of bad football by and large i think this is actually going to be like oh these are two top 10 teams that are just get throwing haymaker after haymaker and we're going to be like oh is this where florida state breaks away oh is this where lsu breaks away and i don't think so i think both teams are really well coached really strong all across the board but i I just i can't shake the depth for lsu i can't shake the feeling that i think it would be hard for florida state to beat brian kelly in this group back-to-back years I'm going to go LSU to win and cover and wouldn't be surprised if it went the other way. But right now I think LSU starts off hot and beats Florida state two up in the air. And like, excuse me, I'm trying to figure out who this game is bigger for, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. there's something about, you know, when you're a big time program facing against an sec powerhouse, it's just, you got a different chip on your shoulder, but as an sec team, you're trying to win a national championship when your conference to lose a game outside the sec it's like that's not even something you think about so it's it's got its pressure for both teams it's obviously both either team could lose this game and still right the ship and uh and make the college football playoff but it's just it's such a huge game i, I just love it to start the season mason smith is that's a huge loss i think for lsu in this game so who's it ross dellinger that said they explored like adding a week zero game to a so he could be suspended for that one instead of this Mm. week one that's it just means more in the sec (laughs) um you gotta do what you gotta do matt yeah that would have been hilarious but they couldn't get it done um like you said last year this felt like two teams like neither team wanted to win this game and it was just kind of ugly Mm-hmm. This year, it feels like it could be actually two of the best five or six teams in college football. I, I just, I personally just trust Brian Kelly so much that like we're they're going to be that team that gets the year two bump that mm. we talk about with these coaches, and it's like they're going to be a different sort of level team. Whereas I feel like Florida State and they got a bunch of transfers in that that could 
are definitely going to help this team. I just don't know that Jordan Travis is that guy. Like Jaden Daniels and Jordan Travis, I kind of feel similarly about that. Like they're good, not necessarily great. But I think when it comes down to it, I just trust LSU more. And like they can't beat FSU, can't beat them back to back, right? Like I just, I don't know if I can see that happening for a program like LSU. So give me LSU to win a close one, but uh, yeah, to win and cover. I didn't think we would agree there. I thought you were going to go Florida State. No, I'm just not really feeling Florida State this year. Mm. Like, I'm just not, I'm not buying them like everyone else is. And, like, they did beat LSU a year ago, and both of these teams should be improved from where they were a year ago. But so much of, like, I feel like the hype is that, like, what, six straight games they won in the season? And I'm just like, I don't know if I buy it. Like, normally beating Miami and Oklahoma and, Florida, like in a five or six game span means something and historically in college football, but in 2022, I don't think it really did. So I, hmm. uh, I'm still skeptical about Florida state. And so I think that's why LSU, I just, I just trust that they're going to have more dudes, uh, to be able to get the job done. Wow. We agree. Matt green. There you so go. We got, the big we got dogs. Enough. We got some. We got Florida, Utah. We disagree. Um, you know, Boise State, Washington. No, no. We both we agree on that one. Um, Houston, UTSA. We got a couple of disagreements in here. Yeah, I think it'll be good. And like we said, like early on, we're just getting a big taste here. I'm just glad to watch Tennessee football on Saturday. That's gonna be great. I'm I'm glad the way the games are spaced out, right? So we get to watch Florida, Utah with no distractions tomorrow night. Folks are hearing this on Thursdays or on Thursday. And then we get to watch Clemson Duke unaffected on Monday. We get to watch Florida State LSU unaffected on Sunday. It's Labor Day weekend. I just like that this spacing here, uh, where I there's not really anything competing with Tennessee at noon. You get North Carolina uh, or South Carolina late in the evening on Saturday. So it just, I like how it's all separate. So we get to watch everything we want to watch without any uh, competition. Didn't even release a spread for uh, mm. Georgia UT Martin. Like, I, How can you release no a spread one, when you don't no have any knows. running backs? It's just hard <laughs> to see what uh, the dogs are going to be able to do without a running back I mean, back I room. just, I'm not used to, I feel like even when Alabama plays like a, a cupcake, there's usually a spread, right? I just, I don't know necessarily why there's no spread for that game, but it, it should be. Are you nervous yet? For UT Martin? No, not UT Martin, <laughs> but you're, you got to be a little nervous Skyhawks, about the running back room. Is that what they are? They are the Skyhawks. Um, Ty Simpson's I mean, it, dad is the coach not, actually of them. It's not of no concern, um, mm. but I mean, Kendall Milton is supposed to be healthy for this one, and Deshaun Edwards, they're both supposed to be healthy for this this uh, season opener. Um, but, you know, I think when you have Georgia's offensive line, if if you got enough scholarship running backs healthy, then I think it should be fine. Like, Roderick Robinson was a big-time uh, recruit coming in as a, as a true freshman, and um who's the andrew paul you know you, you heard some buzz of last year in in the off season um before he tore his acl and obviously he's coming off an acl but he's supposed to be healthy and ready for the season so i don't know we'll see i feel like just being georgia and and all the playmakers they they do have at receiving and you know maybe maybe dylan bell he's a a big time uh or a built run, uh, receiver they've talked about it potentially him getting carries if they need a receiver to move to that position or something but 
you got Brock Bowers to give give the hand the ball to Brock Bowers. He can he can do anything. But no, I think just when you when you're built like Georgia, if 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 one of those guys goes down, like if if Milton or Edwards goes down early in the season, then yeah, I think then you you start to worry a little bit. But you know, at this point, I think there's still enough healthy guys, and with with what Georgia's got on the offensive line, I mean, they should just about anybody can run through those holes. I think. I'm just excited because Georgia fans are going to be pissed about how this offense is run this year because Bobo's back. They're not going to run the ball as much as they did in years past. They're going to have to spread it around and they're going to be in a, they're going to the run the damn ball folks are going to hate how Georgia wins football games this year, because I think it's going to be a lot of throwing it around and getting Dominic Lovick and Ladd McConkey and Brock Bowers. yard passer last year. That, but that you thing... were still running the ball. You were still running down your throat. You were still physical smash mouth first. It, it was still. I think, see, I think that's the, uh, that's the misnomer is that it wasn't run first. It was, you look at the stats and it looks like a 50, 50 offense because Georgia's running the ball exclusively in the second half of the third and all of the fourth quarter. And a lot of these games in 2021 and 22, I think Kirby smart has basically shattered every single narrative that there's been about him. And the fact that Mike Bobo also had some negative narratives, Kirby's going to shatter that too. I mm. think the fact that Mike Bobo is the OC is honestly one of my favorite parts about this 2023 season because mm. Bobo has a whole nother level arsenal he's going to be working with in 2023 than he ever had at UGA his first go around. Like people love to talk about the skill talent that Georgia had like Oh, how did they not win a national championship with Stafford and Noshawn and AJ Green and Todd Gurley? Under Mark Rick, Georgia didn't have one offensive lineman drafted first round in 15 years. Did not have one offensive lineman drafted first round. That's where the bread is buttered. It's on the offensive line. Like you have to have elite dudes up front. Since Kirby Smart got there, was Isaiah Wynn, Isaiah Wilson, Andrew Thomas. Um, Broderick Jones, who am I forgetting? Um, I'm forgetting somebody from the year before. Like they've gotten like five or five or six first round picks on the offensive line. Three of the three of the five first team all SEC offensive linemen coming in this year uh, are on Georgia. Like uh, Todd Grantham and Willie Martinez defenses were giving up a lot of points. Like Georgia doesn't give up points anymore. You're not blaming the OC. When you when you win games thirty five when you lose games thirty five thirty eight like they were back in the days when they were blaming Mike Bobo this offense is gonna be I'm not gonna say it's not gonna miss a beat but or it's not gonna skip a beat it might not be as good as last year but this offense is gonna be damn good and the defense is gonna be holding teams to like twelve points a game and the the and the the Mike Bobo will finally just have the positive vibes of the Georgia nation that Will Muschamp had, right? Will Muschamp was a dog first. Then he went all over the SEC. Georgia fans, he became the butt of jokes. But then he came back and we're like, oh, yeah, he was a dog first. So now Will Muschamp is beloved by Dog Nation again. The same thing's going to happen to Mike Bobo. This guy played quarterback. He was a great OC the first time. For whatever reason, he was just criticized. It was the fan, the whole fan base was divided the last like five years of the Mark Rick tenure. It was a toxic time. They took it out on Bobo. It was never Bobo's fault. 
And so now I'm just glad Bobo's going to be back and he's going to end all those like false narratives about him. George is going to have an elite offense and everything's going to be fine. He's going to be, he's going to win a national title. I think it just speaks volumes that when the number one player in the country, Dylan Raiola was being recruited and the talks of Todd Munkin being out as OC, he is like, we, George already knows who the next OC is going to be. Like, I think that says a lot about what Kirby smart, just having just, all the contingencies plan, all the contingencies kick ah, easy for me to say contingency plans in, in line. And this, I think this program, the continuity that they're going to have from the Monken period, I think they're just, they're, they're going to be a good offense again. Gross. Uh, and, well, that's barely, all and, and I they think they should beat Tennessee Martin. Let's hope. I think you'll be all right. I think the dogs will be, they all do right. have a night game in Athens though. So there is that for George fans to get excited about. Maybe they'll wear black jerseys one day. Who knows? No What's guarantees. the guaranteed night game? Well, they're playing this at six o'clock. This this first game. Oh, discounts. Is this the only one y'all get this year? No, I'm just saying they at least do get one. Like we didn't get any oh, okay. last year, so Goodness there's at least gracious. one game. I think the only the first three games, and then uh, the Florida game. I think are the only games that have a game time so far. Okay. Uh, Matt Green. This is great. We're back. We have picks. We'll be back on Sunday night uh, to do our recap show following uh, Florida State and LSU. And we'll be back to two a week uh, here with the regular season kicking off this week for the college football 2023 season. Excited. Last thing I'll say, I um I had to jump on George. Went to the sports book like I told you today. Oh no! Had to uh had to jump on George over Tennessee eight points. We're gonna see where that uh where that spread is come November what like nineteenth or something like that. Yeah, but yeah, got it to eight points November. here on the on the the day the season's opening. All right, hey, uh, right now I'm still I would take Georgia right now. So. Uh, until we see more this year, the one I will not move off of is Alabama, Tennessee at Alabama, just doing, doing just fine. But, uh, I think only two, the two team, two quarterbacks have ever beaten Saban in Alabama. And it was like Johnny Menzel and someone else. I forgot who it is. It's very, what, what'd you say? Uh, quarterbacks in the sec who have won at Alabama while Nick Saban's been there. Oh, I think it's just uh, Manziel. Burrow. Burrow was the other one. Yeah. So it's only two. In the entire time Saban has been solid out list uh, for Joe Milton to put himself on, or exactly. Quinn Ewers, maybe. I think Quinn Ewers might get it done. Maybe Quinn Ewers. Matt Green, always a pleasure, my friend, and I'll talk to you Sunday night. Yes, sir. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.